Hey, good morning. It's great to see you all here, folks online. Glad you're joining us. Uh, it is Thanksgiving this week, so I hope you and your family do have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hard to believe that fall is over and winter is here. Yeah, I'm sure some of us miss summer, right? The, the sunny, fun days of summer when we were studying Colossians and pressing into God bringing us to life. This fall, we have been lamenting. And uh, we've been learning about lament. And so, I, again, I think probably some of us wish it was summer when we were talking about Jesus bringing us to life. Um, you know, actually, next week starts Advent. And when we get to Advent, we're going to press into God's hospitality and his generosity, how God welcomes us home for Christmas. Again, it's going to be a beautiful time of pressing into God's goodness. Then in the new year, we're going to look at Jesus and his character and, and how he lived the fruits of the Spirit and more of God bringing us to life. But we're not quite done with lament. Today is our last message in this series on lament, and I can tell that you're excited because we're going to finish on a high note of lamenting our sin. Who doesn't want to lament their sin? Come on, this is great. And we started last week, Doug gave a beautiful message on lamenting our sin. We're going to continue that today and particularly press into repentance. Yeah, repentance, woo! Come on, you're with me, repentance. Yeah, there you go. Martin Luther, maybe you've heard of him, he uh, had this 95 thesis, he nailed it to the door, Wittenberg door, um, and the first uh, of the thesis, I guess it's the first thesi, I don't know how that is, um, this was the first one, he said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. Is that us? What would that look like? What would that feel like? Would that be a good thing? I mean, could that be a way that Jesus brings us to life? Yeah, you know, in our world, sadly, including the churchy world, repentance gets a bad rap. We, we think of it as something for the weak, right? You know, it, it takes away our power, you know? We, we think it, it's bad and it should be rare and avoided. What if all that's a lie? We've been fooled by the devil. What if repentance is actually a sign of strength, of spiritual health? What if repentance is liberating, right? It sets us free from having to keep up appearances, free from having to win every argument, expose our other people, free from, from having to, to prove that we're okay. What if repentance, a life where, all, where throughout our life we repent, like Jesus is talking, what Martin Luther is talking about, like Jesus invites us into, what if a life like that of repentance is actually key to Jesus bringing us to life? What if repentance is a cause for celebration, for partying? Uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus, that guy, he told the truth. Um, Jesus said that repentance time is party time. He did. That is, the, that is chapter 15 in the book of Luke. You can look it up. In that chapter, the Pharisees challenge Jesus. They say, hey, hey, how come you're always hanging out? You're so eager to spend time with tax collectors, sinners. You're partying with them. And Jesus tells three parables, three little stories to explain things. First, you get 
shepherd. Shepherd has a hundred sheep and loses one. And what do we do if we lose one? We hunt that sheep down. And when we find it, we party. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, repents, than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Second story, woman has 10 gold coins, loses one. She goes on a rampage to find the one, and when she finds it, it's party time with her and her neighbors. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Third story, a father loses a son. Prodigal son hurts his dad bad, abandons the family, but he comes home. He repents, and there is celebration. There is party time. Now, sure, Jesus is also telling the Pharisees, he's telling us that if we don't repent, he, don't, he doesn't have anything for us. Yeah, if we don't repent, Jesus has nothing for us. we got to repent. But let's not miss what repentance unlocks. It is the key. It is the, the fuse. It, it, it's like the trigger that, that causes God's love, his love to just explode, the love that brings us to life. You know, we need that. Boy, does our church need that. We need that love, that incredible love that brings us to life. That's what we're after today. Through repentance today, we're headed to party town, okay? Now, um, here's the thing, though, the problem. Because our culture hates repentance, because we don't really live lives of repentance, we're not so good at it. Oh, and get this, there's also repentance not all repentance is good. Yeah, it turns out that there is a healthy repentance that leads to life, and there is a worldly repentance that leads to death. The Apostle Paul talks about this in one of his letters. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Yikes. How do we avoid that trap? How, how do we repent right? I am so glad you asked. Lament. We head out onto the bridge of lament. Lament positions our hearts. When we lament our sins, it puts us in a place where we can have healthy repentance. So stepping back, here's where we're going today, all right? Repentance. Our repentance, it ignites God's explosive love for us. It brings us to life. And yeah, his love also motivates, it drives our repentance. And our lament, our lament of our sins, it prepares, it positions us for healthy repentance. That's what we're unpacking today. That's why we're going to step out again onto the bridge of lament. And you can find all of this in Luke chapter 15. So grab a Bible. It's page 714 on the Bibles we have here at home. Find your Bible. Look it up. It's, again, Luke 15. I'm going to pray, and then let's take a look here at God's just incredibly lavish love for us as he calls us to repentance. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, we need you. You love us so much, and you call us to turn our backs on our sin and come to you and enjoy your love, your celebration. It is a reason to party. 
But God, I confess that it is hard for us to lament. We are prideful. We are dishonest. We don't want to go to you sometimes. And so, God, I pray today in this room, online, as the people watch, you overcome all of that with your incredible love. You call us to, to repentance through lament. Come, Jesus, come. Amen. Okay, so again, we're in Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to read through this once and we'll, so we get the big picture, um, and then we'll go through again and unpack it. Um, and as I do, pay attention to God's love. Pay close attention. Jesus is really redefining God's love in this story. Jesus continued, there is a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion f and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son, he, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best, the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. It was party time. Do you see God's incredible love in that story? And it's not just in the welcome home that the son receives, which is incredible, the welcome he receives. It's also when he leaves. Back in that culture, in that time, if a son would have asked for his share of the inheritance, the father would tradition would what would normally happen is he would go berserk. He would have driven his son out. He probably would have beaten him. He may have even killed him. But here God, played by the father, he loves us. He gives us our freedom. He is so gracious and generous and patient with us. So, we're going to read the story again, okay? And this time, as we read it, as we go through the start of it, take a look. See, see how Jesus shows us our sin and its consequences. So, we'll start again in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, so in that context, back in the first century, it was basically like the son saying to father, Dad, I wish you were dead. 
I don't care about you. I don't care about the family. I just want to use you. I just want the money. Give me the money. I mean, do you see the sin there? The selfishness, the greed, the the pride, the, the disrespect, and the cruelty. Do we see any of that in ourselves? Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he's going deeper into sin here. Two big things. One, he sold off the family land. Back then in that agrarian, that land-based culture, that is a big deal. That would have been humiliating for the father to lose the honor. of the, He'd be dishonored by losing the land. And then second, he set off to a foreign country. He abandoned his obligation to care for his father in his old age. Back then, they took the fifth commandment seriously, like it should be taken. And then notice, he's yucking it up in this foreign country and wild living, and he's having a great time, right? He feels free. Isn't that often how sin feels? It starts out. We feel free in our sin before the misery sets in. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Yeah, he spends everything. <laughs> Think of this. I mean, there, that's the depth of his sin. He's, his incredible selfishness spends it all. Many of us can relate to that. Sin is a slippery slope. We double down on our sin. We go deeper and deeper into our sin. And then the consequences start to start right here. He, he, he begins to be in need. So we went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. So the consequences of his sin deepen. Here is a Jewish man feeding pigs. That's not kosher. And also he hires himself out, right? He attaches himself to a citizen of this foreign country. You know, when we break our attachment to God, we inevitably attach ourselves to something else that enslaves us. Something else where we're not sons or daughters anymore. Many of us have been there. Maybe we're there now. I know I have attached myself to work, to jobs, my workaholism, right? It feeds my ego and it makes me a slave. Many of us, we're attached to things like alcohol or drugs. It could could be gambling or shopping. It, It could be our phones, or porn, or illicit sex, or or maybe we're attached to to our family, to having the perfect family, or it's a hobby, or a sport, or maybe it's the latest gadgets, you know, the car, the boat, the, the lake house. For us as a church community, when our attachment to Jesus waned a little, when it fractured a bit, we attached ourselves to charismatic, gifted leaders, to church growth, to, to, to putting on a good show, to performance. And those things enslaved us and abused us. Now, this, uh, this new attachment, it can be crude or it can be, it can be refined, it can be subtle. But there's always, when we break our attachment to God, we inevitably find a new master to attach to. And we end up in the slop. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
but no one gave him anything. We sink deeper into the consequences of our sin. We do. We, we, we long for relief. We feel alone. No one cares. No one helps us. Do you know what that feels like? The, our individual, our collective sin. Do you, do, you, do you see any of that in your life? Can, can you name the sin that is weighting you down for us as a church community? With the abuse over the last year, we can see it, right? We were the kind of place where sexual and spiritual abuse could happen. We are suffering under the weight of that part of our culture, the toxic, the sinful part of our culture. But we don't have to stay there. We do not have to stay there. The next line in this story, I love this line. When he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. We can come to our senses. And we'll see in a minute that when he comes to his senses, what he does is he laments his sin. But let's not skip past this so quickly. The coming to our senses. Jesus here shows us that it is super important that we come to our senses. Now, in our control-obsessed culture, it is really important to see where the son is when he comes to his senses, right? He is starving. He is alone in the pig slop. He has hit rock bottom. It's not like one day he just said, you know what? I think I need to improve my life some. So I think I'll get an app or buy a book and I'll press into some change. No, he is not controlling the timing here. He, he is, this is not on his terms. Yeah, we, when we don't decide ourselves to come to our senses, no, we, we don't decide that we're going to like come out of our sinful haze, that, that we're going to see our blind spots. I love the way that Timothy Keller, he describes this. The sin in your life, the flaws in your life, the character shortcomings in your life that are creating the most problems for you and the people around you right now, by definition, are the ones that you can't see. See, that's why they would be the worst ones. You're in denial about them. The human heart runs on denial the way my car runs on gas. You know that. Well, then, repentance is the moment in which you come to your senses. How does that happen? It happens to you. Your wrongdoing sets up strains in the fabric of reality. For example, God created the world in such a way that he says, live like this. So if you're selfish, that sets up strains. You're moving against the fabric of the way God made you and other people. If you hold grudges, if, you, if you're full of pride. In other words, when you do things wrong, you set up strains in the fabric of reality, and eventually they lead to breakdown. Breakdown. Repentance starts with coming to your senses. That's not something you decide to do. It's something that comes to you, and then you have to respond to it. How are we responding? Right? Any breakdown out there getting your attention in your life? How are we responding? Us as a church community, right? This year has been shocking. We, we have been shocked to our attention by the, the pain, the harm caused by abusive leaders. 
how are we going to respond? Who do we want to become as a community? Will we repent? Oh, and this thing that needs to happen to us, right? The, the, the coming to our senses, this is one of the reasons why Christian community is so important. We, one of the things we do is gently help others come to their senses. Paul, he wrote to Timothy, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses, come to their senses, and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Just in the same way that we are like reaching back to this ancient, beautiful discipline of lament, our church could benefit from reaching back to the practice of church discipline. It turns out that we're actually a family, the family of God. And we are each other's keeper. We are. So, when breakdown happens, when we come to our senses, then what? Then what? Well, again, in the story of the prodigal son, where is he at? Right? He, he is starving. He is sitting in the mud alone. And then what does he do? I mean, he, as he deals with the, the consequences of his sin, sin has done a huge number on him, like it's done on many of us. Sin has done a number. And where does he go? Verses 17 through 20, he heads out on the bridge of lament. He laments his sin. And so that's where we're going today, is Jesus shows us. He shows us how to respond. It's in lamenting our sin. It prepares us for healthy repentance. And to do this, we're going back to lament for dummies. Because in my life, keep it simple, stupid is a a pretty helpful principle for me. I need that. And so we're going to look at lament for dummies. We're going to look at how we turn, we complain, we ask, and we trust. So picking up the story again. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants, his father's, he's already turning towards his father here. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go, I, I will set out and go back to my father. He's turning, he's, he's pretty obvious, he's headed to his dad, he's going back. And, he, and, and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He's turning to God. Now, let's focus in here on the part about I've sinned against heaven. That's a really important part when it comes to healthy repentance. If we were to take our Bibles and like flip back to um, Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is probably the greatest confession, the greatest prayer of lament in the Bible. King David, King David says, have mercy on me, O God, According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Wait, against you and you only have I sinned? What, what about the guy that you like arranged to have murdered or the woman that you seduced, likely raped? You kind of sinned against them too, David. 
David's not trying to deny his sins against them. No, the reason he is so focused on God is David understands that healthy repentance, the kind that changes us, the kind that sets us free, the kind that brings us life and not death, it starts with an understanding that whatever sin we do, whatever our sin is, primarily, first and foremost, it is a sin against God's goodness and his greatness. That's our sin. Remember from the start, we said there is sin, there, there, excuse me, there is repentance, there is healthy repentance that leads to life, and there is worldly repentance that leads to death. Well, both can start with pain, with disturbance, with us coming to our senses. And when we are woken up, right, if we don't lament our sin. If we don't turn to God, there is a huge danger because we're in so much pain that the thing that we will want, the thing we'll want more than anything else is just to stop the pain. We just want the pain to stop. And so there is a real possibility that our so-called repentance, it won't be a change of heart. It won't be less selfishness. It will actually be an even deeper, a more dangerous selfishness. Worldly repentance is just self-pity. It is just self-absorption that leads to death. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. We sometimes repent. We say we're sorry because we just want to get out of trouble. We're just thinking of ourselves. Men, I'm going to pick on the boyfriends and the husbands here for a moment because it is a classic pattern we um, do bad things in our relationships to our wives and our girlfriends. We, we sometimes even abuse them. And they get to a point where they can't take it. And they say they're going to leave. And we get scared. And we're not afraid of the harm we've caused them. We don't even see them. We're afraid that we're going to be alone. We're scared to be alone. So we buy chocolate and flowers and we say we're sorry and we beg forgiveness and we clean up our act. But it don't last. And things actually get even worse in the long run because we never had a heart change. It was all just selfishness. You see, healthy repentance starts with turning to God. And it's not turning to God and like cowering, oh no, he's going to smite me. No, no, no. It's not just fear of the trouble we've gotten ourselves in. It's turning to the God, the loving God that we see in Matthew 15. Healthy repentance, it involves seeing how good God is. He is so good. He's done such good things for you. He went to the cross for you. He loves you so much. He has such good plans for you. How could we hurt him like this with our sin? How could we break his heart with our sin? Healthy repentance isn't self-focused. It's God-focused. When we focus on God and his goodness, that's what changes us. That's what brings us to life. Can we turn to God? Turn to him as we repent. I can tell you with what happened in the last year, for me, I need to say, God, Lord God, with all the abuse that was going on, 
I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven because I didn't see it. I didn't notice it. I didn't pay attention. I didn't ask questions. I sinned against you, God. You. And I broke your heart. And I'm sorry. Next, lament for dummies. We complain. We complain. Now, we just talked about how healthy repentance isn't motivated by the consequences of our sin. So it might feel like that would be in conflict with complaining about the consequences of our sin, but it doesn't have to be. See, we, we, we do need to see that there are consequences of our sin, that our sin, it has impacts in this world. But what we need to do, what is key, is that we complain to God. We tell him about the impact. By going to him and complaining to him, that's what actually helps keep us out of self-pity. Okay? Complaining to God about it. Okay, next. The next step in, in Lament for Dummies is that we ask God. We ask. Oh, wait. I skipped the verse where he complains. I'm going to go back. little rewind. So this is the um, prodigal son complaining. It says, when, I came, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, I, and, I, and, and here I am starving to death. Okay, that's his complaining. And again, it's healthy to complain as long as that complaining goes to God. Now, we're going to move on to asking. And here's where we ask for stuff. And we even ask for stuff that God, he's never going to give us. So in the story, it says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Okay, the son is going back and he's planning to say to his dad, Dad, hey, why don't you hire me? I can work it off, right? Let me work off my debt to you. And this is totally normal when we sin. When we sin, often we say, God, God, I've messed up, right? I've, I've ruined everything. Look at this mess that I'm in. There's the complaining. And then we say, God, if you will just get me out of this mess, what? I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll... Um, I'll pray, I'll give, I'll serve more. I'll, we, we ask God to let us earn it. We do. But it don't. It's never going to work that way. Right? It, that's just plain foolishness. But we can ask God for that as a way of getting past our pride, past our religiosity to his grace. I love that Jesus included this in the story. I do, because I sometimes want to earn it. Us humans want to earn it. And the best way to get around that is to take that desire to God. And don't forget how the story ends. God deals with that desire by overwhelming us with his love. When we want to earn it, he floods us with his love to get past that, to experience his grace. All right, one more step here in Lament for Dummies, we trust. And trusting isn't just something we do in our heads and our minds. Trusting is putting our weight down on the goodness of God. So he got up and went to his father. The son goes back to his father because he trusts that when he gets back to his dad, things will be good. They'll be better if he goes back to his dad. And the same thing is true for us. As we lament our sin, as we take a look at our sin, as we invite Jesus and his goodness into our sin and see his love, trust 
wells up in us. Yeah, I might be stuck in this addiction or this pattern of sin or this sexual abuse scandal, but I know if I can just get to Jesus, things will be better. Trust. And verse 20 here, it's not just about trust. It also shows us how we walk out repentance. Repentance, for us, it's a change of direction. It's moving another direction in our lives. It requires movement, repentance does. You see it with the son, right? He gets up and goes to the father. He leaves behind his sinful habits, his old life. He leaves all that behind and goes to dad, right? The long walk home, is, it matters in this. And notice the speech that he's been practicing along the way, right? He says this to his dad. We can say this to God. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice the elements here in his repentance. Confession. He owns it. There's no blaming. There's no minimizing. I have sinned against heaven and against you. And again, he, he admits that his primary sin is against God. It's against God. That is super important like we talked about. But it's not just vertical. There's also the horizontal here. He acknowledges that his earthly father has been sinned against. We need to apologize. We need to make amends with the humans that we sin against. And then he owns the impact. He takes responsibility for the harm. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Yeah, that's right. After the stunt he pulled, after the harm he did to his dad, he deserves to be cut off. It's important that we see the impact, the consequences to others, to us, and that we own that. That's what we did. The son here, this, he doesn't, his repentance isn't perfect. He's got these crazy ideas about earning it. But Jesus gives us this picture, this beautiful picture of the, the humility and the honesty of the son. This is an example that we can follow. We can this is something, this is a way that we can repent. And look at where the son is. He is ready to change, to have a new life, to come to life. So what about us? What about us? Have we come to our senses? Has there been a breakdown somewhere in our life that has got our attention because of our sin? Can, can we lament our sin to prepare us to press into really healthy, life-changing repentance? What do you see in your life? Is there sin that you see? Maybe, maybe you got one of the classics going on, right? What is it? Lust, gluttony, greed, envy, sloth, wrath, pride. I think that's seven. Maybe, you got, maybe that's where you see your sin. Or maybe you see your sin, maybe it's easier to relate when you hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Boy, that's America. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I'll tell you, for me, with the abuse of the last year, I have sinned against God and I've sinned against you. 
because I didn't see it sooner. I didn't. I didn't discern the sin and the abuse of leaders. I I didn't hold Michael and Brenda accountable sooner. That is my sin. And I ascend against you. I I, I sinned against God and you. I, I made it worse for victims when I minimized the bullying. When I said things like, hey, yeah, there's the bullying, but it, it, it's gotten better over the years. It's not as bad as it used to be. And I'll tell you, I had bosses in my life that were way worse than that. And I sinned against God and against you. When, when I said to, to victims, you know, you're going to need to talk to Michael about that. I'll go with you. But I foolishly told the abused that they had to go back to their abuser and risk more abuse. I sinned. I sinned, and I am sorry. I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't get it. I didn't help you. And that's what I did. And, and I get, if I did that to you, I am no longer worthy of your trust. I'm not. I broke that trust, that relationship. I have to fix our relationship. I have to be trustworthy again for you to trust me. I am sorry and I repent. And with God's help, I want to go the other direction. I think I can go the other direction with his help, but only with his help. I think our church can go the other direction. We can have new life. We can change because of Jesus. And this isn't easy. It isn't. It's hard to face your sin. But remember where we started. Jesus calls us to a life of repentance, and it is good because Jesus is good. And we need to also see where we need to end is how God responds to our repentance. He is so eager for us to repent. He wants us to repent so badly. It is party time. So let's pick up the story again. But while he was still a long way off, while John, while the Duluth Vineyard was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Because of our sins, sometimes God feels like he is so far off. But let me tell you, he loves you so much. He is so eager for you to repent. If we will just make the slightest movement in his direction, he will come running. And not running to scold us or to to shame us. He comes running. He, He will embarrass himself to put his arms around you, love you, and kiss. He loves you so much. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, but, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best, the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's celebrate this repentance. For, his, for this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You and I, we are dead in our sins. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, all we need to do is repent. All we need to do is repent to come back to life. Life in him. And that life is worth celebrating it is, there is nothing that is worth celebrating more than that. So let's press into that, into party time. Why don't you stand up with me now?
at home, if you're watching online, just position yourself to talk to God. So right now, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, we need you. We are talking about our sin, and it is hard for us to face it. But God, I know that for many of us, there are things that are happening in our lives. There are breaks in the fabric. Just like for the Duluth Vineyard as a community this year that we have been shocked, we have been stunned, we have been just blown away by the, what has happened here in the past. Many of us in our lives, individually, we see things that, oh my goodness, my selfishness, my pride, my addiction, whatever it is, is it has gotten our attention. We can't live like this any longer. So God, help us to turn to you. Whatever that sin is, show us that sin that is weighting us down. And right here, right now, Lord, help us to lament that sin. Give us the strength to turn to you, to complain about the, the mess that we're in, the harm we've done others, to, to ask, even to beg to earn it, and to see your smiling face as you just shake your head. You're like, no, son, no, daughter, it doesn't work that way. You can't earn it. You can just receive my gift. Just come to me. And God, as we see your incredible goodness, help us to have trust that if we come to you, you will meet us with forgiveness, with new life, with liberation. Lord, today I ask for that in so many of our lives, that we will repent, we will confess and repent those sins, and what we will get is not what we expect. We won't get guilt and shame. We will get freedom. We will get celebration from our Heavenly Father that longs to set us free to welcome us home. Come, Lord Jesus. Give us the strength to repent. Motivate us with your love to walk home. I'm going to invite the ministry team to come forward. And I know that um, inviting you to come up here and repent, that's going to take some courage. It took some courage in Jesus' story for the son to, to leave the slop and head home to his dad. In that culture, his dad could have beaten him. He could have killed him for what he'd done. But he headed home because he, 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 he trusted that his dad would love him, that he would meet him with his love. And so I'm inviting you right now, if you have something you need to repent, that you need to confess, to have the courage to step out and to come forward and to do that business with Jesus with someone on the prayer team. If you're online, to have the courage to click on the button and ask for prayer. Let Jesus meet you in that place. Let him set you free. Maybe you've, you're, you're seeing the breakdown in your life and you're just not sure what to do. Come up and let someone pray about that. Maybe you're not sure how to lament that sin. We can help with that. Meet Jesus in your sin. This is a powerful thing to do. This is a life-changing thing to do. You might want to come forward, and we got carpeting down here. Maybe you even want to get on your knees and repent your sin and leave it behind because it is incredibly freeing. God can set you free. He can change you today. But again, Jesus doesn't have anything for you unless you repent. Really, if there's anything you need prayer for, 
Maybe you're struggling in relationships, you want, need physical healing. Maybe you want to celebrate the change that God has done in your life as you've repented. Maybe you want to have some party time. Come on up, let someone pray for you. We can have that celebration here too. They're going to lead us in some more worship, and I'm going to just ask that you have the courage to slow down and see what else God wants to do in you before you leave today. Thanks so much for coming to the Vineyard.